If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Call's cloud business phone service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. All right, had a little bit of trouble there getting the headset on, trapped under the mic boom here this morning. Good to, good to be here. Thank you for joining us, whether you are listening on Freedom 95, KYAH in Utah, iTunes, Stitcher, Facebook. It's good to have you. You can always email me. I welcome that. Thoughts, questions, comments, Todd at com. And, of course, you can join us live on Facebook or on demand as long as our friends at Facebook allow us to do that, as long as we've tiptoed around the rules that they say should exist on their platform, which we, of course, oblige. Todd, uh, Facebook.com slash Todd Huff Show. Good to be here. And uh, look, lots to talk about today. Really quickly, a rundown. We've got states that are slated to begin opening up in the in the southeast. Georgia, South Carolina. Amongst those, we'll start, talk specifically about Georgia, which has taken a little bit of pushback here. We've got the Senate passing a relief bill the house is supposed to be voting on this tomorrow we'll talk about that as well we've got valerie jarrett valerie jarrett who of course is close with the obamas talking about the prospects of a michelle obama vice presidential run so we've got that out there as well Models on the coronavirus uh, are changing, too. Lots to get to, and there's other things as well. But I want to start here. I want to start in the state of Georgia and these states that are opening. This came up last night during the press conference, during the coronavirus briefing. And this is something that is is a monumental step given where what we've been through right we've got we had this this period of time where we were watching this disease from afar trying to gather information trying to be you know aware of the risks trying to figure out how to uh, deal with coronavirus at the time thinking if if it really reaches the United States, and, and if it did, could we contain it, which we tried to do at first, and then, of course, uh, all those efforts 
uh, did not work, and we're looking at outbreaks, especially outbreaks in specific areas like New York City primarily, but there's other places as well, Michigan, and, and you've seen you've seen the list. You followed to some degree the numbers uh, the numbers here, and so then it went to you know this whole this whole thing with with social distancing, businesses being effectively shut down, stay in place orders issued by by governors. Trump then at some point. At some point along that path, began pressuring, uh, not not directly pressuring states, but in a way to reopen economies, which is as I've said, and I may I stand by this a good thing. Now, applying the pressure and determining when it is you actually open and what that that looks like, it doesn't mean that just because someone applies pressure or believes that pressure is necessary. That any reaction to reopen or any to- sort of reopening is necessarily wise or good. I'm not. I'm not saying it isn't, but there's definitely things uh, that that should be, and I, I think they they are hopefully uh, on on these uh, these governors' minds. And so there's this. There is this balance. There's the balance between public health and economic. Uh, well, just the, the health of, of, of your citizens financially. I mean, we've seen, there's been some dire predictions out there, folks, uh, regarding things like foreclosures. I've seen numbers that suggest 30% of, uh, of Americans are going to go into foreclosure, or mortgages are going to be in foreclosure at some point along the, uh, along the way. We've seen unemployment skyrocket in ways we have never seen it before. I mean, it's clear when you look back at history, history of President Trump being in the White House, actually even the day after he won election in 2016, the markets began to act favorably. It was the first time in a long, long time that pre- that that business began to feel some relief from the pressures exerted upon it by the federal government. No longer were they looking at years of someone being the leader of this country who would say things like, you didn't build that, and you know, implement things like Obamacare, which terrified businesses. Businesses did not know where the bottom was, so to speak, on the perceived financial obligations that the Obama administration and liberal Democrats thought that uh, you know their liability for funding something like Obamacare. How much burden is going to be put on businesses? How much regulation? How many requirements? <clears throat> All these sorts of things. What was going to happen? They knew the cost of health care, uh, the cost of insurance was rising, and now there there's all sorts of other pressures that limit their abilities to choose what's best, what what's best for their company, and how they can navigate that. People looking at penalties and all different sorts of things trying to navigate that. So there's pressure. Suddenly Trump comes onto the scene, talks about, uh, you know, just just talks a language that businesses businesses believe in, that businesses are reassured by. This is your business, effectively. Your job is to run your business without interference, unnecessary interference from the government. It doesn't mean that you can. Not have any, not have any um, interference. There's some things or some areas that 
government has a role. But these things should be limited and few and far between. They shouldn't be they shouldn't be a heavy burden and and a source of fear for companies, whatever the size. And that had been the case. That had been the case uh, during well not throughout throughout years past, and that had been lifted. A lot of that is the reason why we've seen business, the economy, the stock market all respond favorably because the bureaucracy, the burden, the, uh, the, the political viewpoint, the administration's viewpoint of business, it went from being almost a foe of the administration to something that now we've got these partnerships, these public partner uh, public-private partnerships regarding the response to coronavirus and all of this. So the economy, the economy was, was roaring along and, and doing very well. Then this comes along. So you've got the health side, the economic side. Governments are trying to mitigate this, and they, they shut down. They shut down the economy. Now, you shut down the economy for any length of time, and of course there are there are consequences. And there's a lot of consequences. In fact, later on, probably next hour, that's what I've got this. I don't have schedules per se. I just know what I want to get to. I've got an interview with um, with someone that I'm gonna that I'm gonna air uh, probably second hour, and um, it's her name is April Bordeaux, and she is the executive director of a counseling uh, mental health and counseling organization on the west side of Indianapolis. And we talk about some of the some of the effects of what we're dealing with. Yes, there's the, the, the fears of the disease, but there's also the fears of economic concerns, the concerns about a job. You see twenty two million people in a month sudden or excuse me, in a just a, well, a couple of weeks, I think, that that pl- apply for for unemployment. So then you've got the um, the mental health side of this, the 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 worry side of this, this this is not. You can't just put a nice, neat little bow on this and say this is what COVID nineteen impacts. It impacts all aspects of our lives right now because of these reactions, our responses from governors, and and what's what's been going on. Now there's a movement to begin to begin to lift those restrictions in some states. So we're at a good point, but we, you know, obviously have to proceed proceed with caution. So wanna share with you what it is. Um the governor of Governor Kemp of, of Georgia is facing some pushback, some concerns. Is he opening too soon? What are the ramifications of that? I wanna I want to share a little bit about that. In fact, I want to read a bit from this uh, Fox News article. If I can find this thing, Jiminy, my stack of stuff, as Rush would say, is awfully, uh, awfully heavy here today. But his his uh, desire to reopen reopen the economy, he's he's beginning to to act on that. And so there's there's fair questions. There, there are. Um, it's it's important to to move forward with 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 caution. 
but also it's something that at some point has to be has to be done here it is i found it finally governor uh, georgia governor defends plan to reopen gyms nail salons says state is quote taking a measured step governor brian kemp governors uh, georgia's governor has defended his plan to reopen some businesses in his state, including gyms and hair salons, later this week after facing strong backlash for what critics say is a premature and irresponsible action. We are taking a measured step, Kemp said Tuesday. I I would urge people to really look at the guidance that we are going to be putting out the rest of the week. Kemp announced Monday that certain businesses, including gyms, barbershops, and nail salons could reopen Friday with restaurants allowed to resume dine-in service on April 27th, which is a mere five days away uh, on Monday. Kemp's controversial move, which he referred to as, quote, the gateways to phase one part of the president's plan, end quote, was made in conjunction with public health officials and is based on the data collected in his state he explained the support or they support a measure measured opening which is what we are doing kemp said it's going to be very limited in scope basic operations you may have seen yesterday if you watched the coronavirus uh, task force update you may have seen dr burks asked about this and she she tiptoed around the answer um, as far as she was basically asked something along the lines of how can these states open? How can you open a hair salon, for example, and still adhere to social distancing? I mean, the the nature of the job requires physical contact. Physical contact and social distancing are not compatible um, to some degree. And so Dr. Burks you know, didn't really go after Georgia in the way – uh, that many people wanted her to do that, but or to 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 do, but she did basically. Um, you know, she said that people can be creative, so maybe there's ways that they can adhere to these guidelines uh, that she hasn't yet considered. But these are the sorts of things, and and the truth is, no matter when we get to this point, whenever you know whatever state you live in in this country, there's going to be questions and concerns like this. Now, one of the factors that they're taking out of the equation when they criticize Governor Kemp. And I think it's fair to ask the questions, and, and there need to be some, some answers here. But one of, the, uh, one of the things they're taking out of the equation is the choice of the individual, right? I mean, just because, just because a business can open doesn't mean, first of all, that it will open. Some businesses may say, hey, we're not convinced that it's safe for our employees. We don't want to expose them unnecessarily other you know some may do that plus you've got the customer side some customers might decide you know i'm not ready to go get my haircut yet go get my nails done they might decide that so this is uh, there are fair questions here but i think what bothers me the most is i i sense almost i don't know i'll say a, a, a bit of applause from from certain people um, when it comes to things that, I guess, create a, a slow economic recovery. They almost see it, seem happy with it. And I'll talk about that 
next segment because the way that this is the way that this is framed in the media it's all political now in fact they've been saying and this is what i want to talk about next segment that that trump's been touting the economy and the only reason he wants to see the economy do well is so that it helps his prospects of re-election this fall in 2020 it's his only chance they'll tell you which i think is a sick and twisted way of looking at this so we'll talk about that next segment. But there are some that almost seem to be applauding when states are economically hurting themselves, which should cause people to have a similar reaction to what people have had against Governor Kemp here and his desire to reopen his economy. Because this is a real thing. This is a real thing that's causing real hurt for people. And at some point, I'm not saying it's today, I mean, these are decisions for the governors, but at some point we've got to be able to poke our head out of the bunker and begin to to live life again so talk about that when we return sit tight you're listening to conservative not better talk i'm your host todd huff back in just a minute welcome back i don't know how many times i've heard I've heard the criticism leveled against President Trump that he's doing whatever he can to save the economy, no matter what the cost, right? The guy doesn't care. This is the the standard, I guess, explanation or rationale for why Trump is trying to reopen the economy. Doesn't care about people's lives, doesn't care about any of that. All he cares about is rescuing uh, the economy, and of course, when they talk about the economy in this sense, they're talking about uh, his wealthy friends and people who own stock and in, in large corporations who are tired of seeing their portfolios decrease in value. Which, of course, everybody is, um, even though it has rebounded. Given it's remarkable when you think about, it. I don't want to get into that, but it's remarkable to think. What's happened in the market and where we are? Even even yesterday, we saw you know, a loss, but the the amounts of uh, the amount of losses and then subsequent gains and then you know mixed in, you'll see large uh, gains or losses, kind of almost sporadically. Even if it's trending upward, you'll see within that upward trend uh, losses. You'll see during the downward trend, you saw major gains as well. It's been it's been erratic and all over the place. But people people present this, the media, the left, they present this as though the only reason Trump wants the only reason Trump wants to help the economy is because that's how the guy gets reelected. I I have such a problem with this. If let's just say let's say that Trump decided we're not going to do anything. He's going to put pressure on states to not reopen. Let's assume he wasn't uh, you know, interested in, in pushing for economic activity, a return to commerce, which, by the way, he should be. That's one of the jobs of a president in this particular situation is to, is to cast a vision and to lead us back to quote-unquote normal, whatever that's going to be moving forward. But that's part of his job. That is part of leading, is to is to deal with both sides of this equation, the, the health risks and the economic risks. 
and to lead us out of that and to, to cast a vision even if people are looking at it and saying, gee whiz, that, uh, that seems really optimistic. That seems really unlikely. When he mentioned Easter, people, that's only 10 days ago, folks. Think about that. Time is moving at a snail's pace right now because just because everything's shut down and people are, are at home more frequently, but Easter was just 10 days ago. And if you remember, that's a date that Trump had highlighted to say, wouldn't it be a beautiful thing? Wouldn't it be a great thing if we could open on Easter? I, I hope that we can do that to see people back in their back in their churches on Easter Sunday. That would just be a beautiful thing where people could could come back and begin to gather uh, on that very special day. What's wrong with saying that? What's wrong with saying that? I mean, he didn't promise it. He didn't set it as uh, an absolute objective. But the point is, he's pushing for something that's that's somewhat imminent. It's something that's in the near future. You have to be able uh, to to say, we know we're dealing with uh, we're, we're going to be acting in ways that are consistent with, with maintaining good public health. But at the same time, we're applying a, a healthy degree of pressure to move towards reopening the economy. Because if we don't do that, if we don't do that, we are compounding our problems. Of course, we're compounding our problems as well if we take irresponsible actions and this thing begins to spread again. In fact, you've seen Numbers from models, which again, these models, I've got, <laughs> these models, I, I don't even know why we, we talk about them. Um, they're all over the place. They've been all over the place. They've started off with numbers so high, astronomically high, they continued to drop them. They've recently, one of the models has increased um, the, the projected number of deaths from 60,000 roughly to 66,000. Their model is predicting that uh, the 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 cost, I guess, the 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 health cost, the consequence for reopening uh, these states reopening is going to account for apparently uh, six thousand additional deaths from from COVID nineteen. But it's sick and twisted to say the only reason the president cares about the economy is because of because it'll help his chances of reelection. Again, if he had shut down everything and said we're not opening anything in the economy for you know six months until there's not one single person with coronavirus we first of all know the media would be reporting on this in a way that says trump is destroying the economy for his unwillingness to try to find some creative way to open things again from returning to normal we know without a doubt that that would be the approach from the media number one number two if his objective was again to close these states down to to minimize um, as many cases from spreading, as many deaths as possible. Would the headline then be, Trump is trying to save lives in order to increase his odds of winning re-election in 2020? I think the case, the answer to that is yes. So we've, all, we've gotten to the point that even though, even though minimizing deaths and increasing uh, economic freedom and opportunity and, and returning back to normal from an economic perspective are both good for, may I say, everybody. May I go out on a limb here and say that includes everybody. When President Trump decides to take actions that 
do one or both of those things, you know, simultaneously, different different actions maybe address different parts of this. But when he's trying to move forward to minimize deaths and to maximize, uh, you know, unleashing the economy, getting it back to normal, the media takes this and they they say the only reason he wants to do that is for re-election. I mean, if, if that's the lens at which the media is looking at this, if that's the lens that they're looking through, then literally nothing any candidate ever says or does is for any reason other than getting elected. You know, Obama with, say, Obamacare, that was, I mean, that was a, appealing to his base, but we didn't talk about that. We talked about why that was the right thing to do, why health care is a right which is something that I talk about from time to time. But that's how this was talked about. That's how it was framed. Obama doing the right thing, caring for those in need, the uh, those who can't get health care and all these things. This was the right thing to do, morally correct. wasn't because Obama was trying to you know, grow the, the scope of government. It wasn't so that Obama uh, could move us closer towards um, – big government ideology it wasn't to it wasn't because his base wanted it or for any other reason it wasn't for any political reasons whatsoever it was the right thing to do trump trying to save the economy can't be painted as the right thing to do it has to be painted by the media as a way by which he uh, is seeking to win re-election and that's his only hope and that's how they view it that, that actually says more about how the media views it than how trump views it anyway long in this segment gotta take a break Listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I am your host, Todd Hupp, back here in just a minute. Came back for the break a little bit more uh, quickly than I expected there. But what do you think? I got the... Fox News volume still on here. What do you think about about Georgia? Is it? I was asking Oz here during the break. Is it? Should they be commended for pushing towards this um, and leading the charge? Is it a little too early? And I say a little because it, we can't say. I, I just don't accept that we're. You know, some people think that we're months away, and you hear some people uh, making dire projections in their communities i've seen you know certain cities are staying closed already they're saying through through june or until june and i just i don't know this to me um that's that's not that's not acceptable i get that at some to some degree we have we're not in control of what the virus is is doing i understand that but to say that there's nothing we can do for months on end is not a viable solution either. No matter, no matter what we specifically think about that, the reality is we can't – the United States, no one can sustain that. Again, wealth is created. Wealth is created not in the government but rather in the private sector. If you shut down the source of, of wealth, and see, I think when some people hear wealth, they think, oh, it's just the ultra rich getting rich, you know, richer and going out on their yachts and all these things that people 
uh, just can't stomach for whatever reasons. I don't care what the the rich do, by the way. As long as it's, I mean, legal. If it's illegal, well, that begs the question as to whether or not the law uh, respects human rights. Assuming the law respects the the liberty that we are given. And as long as people are following that, I have no – it's their prerogative what they do with their money. I remember when Romney said back in 2008 during the campaign, I think Romney said that I'm more concerned about what the government does with their money than what someone else does with his money. And that's a fair – that's actually a spot-on assessment of things. We should be more concerned with what our government is doing with our collective money than what some individual – is doing with his or her money. But is Georgia, is Georgia to be committed for this? Is Georgia acting too early or maybe a little bit too ambitiously given the specific state of affairs in Georgia, the number of infections and so forth? Um, and, and again, it, as I've, I, I've questioned from the beginning, what is, you know, why are we picking winners and losers so to speak why is it okay to go to the grocery store if we follow social distancing and wash our hands and wash our groceries Oz, Oz and I were talking briefly about this behind uh, behind well during the break and why is it not okay to go to my nail salon I don't have a nail salon by the way that's not uh, not something I find necessary interesting or um, something I, I care about whatsoever. But if someone has a nail salon, you know, go and get their nails done. If I understand that you're being touched, I guess you you know have to be. Or if you're getting a haircut, someone is is closer than six feet. But if you, I mean, you're closer this than six feet when you check out at the, you know, in the line at the grocery. If there's a person working the counter, right? I mean, uh, how do how do we hand them? Either our card to pay. I know there's the card reader there in some cases, but what if you pay cash? Are you allowed to even pay cash now? Are you allowed? Do you have to set it on the on the counter and then back away for the person to grab it? I've seen people hand people their debit cards when these uh, people deliver. You know, I've seen restaurants deliver. You know, car side. They walk out. Person hands in their debit card. How's that any different? Maybe it is. I guess the amount of time. For doing the nails versus transacting, uh, having a transaction with a a local restaurateur with a debit card is a shorter time. But again, if we're told it trans uh, transmits through through touch and and transferring the virus through things that we've touched, if you wash your hands, as Oz told me after the break, what's the real what's the real difference? There's lots of questions here. The other thing is they talk as though. You know, we have to follow the science, and I, I agree. We have to we have to follow, we have to learn from what we know as factual about this virus. But the problem is, the problem is, there's about 700 different facts out there that all seem to to go against each other. I mean, we're told things every day that are different. We're told, remember, the, even take the mask. We were told masks aren't aren't necessary. All we have to do is wash our hands and maintain social distancing. Now we're saying masks are necessary. In fact, now we need to wear masks more frequently. We may be required to wear masks permanently. I'm sure some people will make that case because something like this could happen. Then the, That's the other thing. We're going off of projections of models that have been 
proven to be erroneous along the way, proven to be really wrong in their projections, some of them dramatically, some of them beyond dramatically so. And so meanwhile, again, if it is a way that provides for your family, is it not an essential business? I know that the government looks at it from the other side and says, well, people, this is the priorities for people, food and shelter, you know, so you can, will allow restaurants to be open, but nails and haircuts, that's not necessary. Well, at what point is it not their business? I understand they're trying to, to stop a spread of a virus in their communities, but I also understand what liberty is. I also understand what individual responsibility is. And you can't maintain that authority at all times, in all places, among, you know, over all people. And if there's not a move towards reopening, a healthy pressure, we're never going to get there. Now, when specifically governors say it's time to reopen, it's fair to say, is this the right time? I get that. Um, but what do you think about about Georgia. I'm going to post this Fox News article to Facebook if you've got thoughts on what you think about Georgia. Either it's spot on the right thing, you have questions and doubts, um, you can share those on there as well. But I've got to take a time out. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I am your host, Todd Huff, where yes, 98%, 98% of, time, of scientists tell you they agree that listening to this program may cause you to lean to the right. Be back here in just a minute. Welcome back. So I want to shift gears here a little bit in the, what we have, uh, the time remaining here in hour number one. I want to talk about something that has been, um, I guess, floating around as a, as a possible rumor, um, a desire for the Democrat Party. And that is this notion that Michelle Obama is going to be Joe Biden's vice presidential pick. Some people believe it's it's a foregone conclusion. He's admitted that he well he's he's I shouldn't say admitted he's announced that he is going to be uh, seeking a female vice presidential candidate, and that that um, you know you start looking at the list of candidates that the, the names that have popped up people like Kamala Harris, Elizabeth Warren, Amy Klobuchar. And it's uh, uh, Gretchen Whitmer of of Michigan. And you realize that there's not – there's just – look, forget gender. There's just not a lot of uh, good candidates for the Democrats right now. There just aren't. That's why they've ended up with Joe Biden. That's the best that they could come up with. Right? This is just – this is what – who they are and, uh, you know, what they've – what what were the realities are for the left but Michelle Obama you know there's of course groups of, of of individuals that that don't like Michelle Obama but she's got much more appeal uh, is much more likable to the uh, to many people than say someone like Kamala Harris i i think Kamala Harris and Oz Oz really thinks Kamala Harris is super unlikable 
And I think she's right. She's one of, I think, one of the most unlikable people who've run uh, for president in a long, well, in a good while. I'd have to go back and think about some of that. But she's she's not a likable candidate. Amy Klobuchar, reasonably likable. But then again, a Klobuchar-Biden ticket doesn't have to steal a word from the 2000 and, well, the 2000 campaign with George W. Bush and uh Dick Cheney, they just lack gravitas. They lack that gravitas. Gravitas, gravitas, gravitas. So now people are thinking Michelle Obama, that's it. That'll be that'll be the you know the, the thing that saves the Democrat ticket. It'll, you know, uh provide a lot of upside, especially when Obama excuse me, when Biden is only going to be a one term president. We can now see um we can now see the next phase of the O'Biden-Bama administration, 2.0. So there could be the O'Biden-Bama administration from 2008 to 2016, and then from 2020 to 2024. And then Michelle could be the presidential candidate for 2024. But Valerie Jarrett, we all know Valerie Jarrett, former White House senior official, um, with Obama is on record here. I'm looking at an article from the Hill. There's no chance, no chance that Michelle, uh, Michelle Obama will be, uh, will, will consider or will be Biden's vice presidential candidate. That's what she says. Jarrett says this, the reason why I'm being so unequivocal is that there just simply has never been a time when she talking about Michelle Obama when she has expressed an interest in running for office, she's not demurring here. She's not being hard to get. She doesn't want <clears throat> the job. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But that is something that could put, uh, that could dash the hopes of the Democrat uh, Party here if Michelle Obama does not take, uh, does not take Joe Biden up. He's not offered it per se, at least not publicly. But he is on record as saying that he would. Uh, take Michelle Obama as his running mate in a heartbeat, in a heartbeat. So we'll see. Got to take a time out. Be back to wrap up with the show. Uh, well, not the show, hour number one of the show. Hour number one here after the break. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back. So you can join us next hour. You can join us next hour by watching on Facebook, facebook.com slash Todd Huff Show. And I'm going to say by the end of this week, now it's going to be a, a brief test perhaps, but we're uh, going to be looking at the possibility of upgrading uh, the video feed to the uh, to Facebook. So that could be fun. Um, I planned on possibly starting it today, but I'm just not quite quite ready to do that so we've got that facebook.com slash Todd Huff show you can also you can also subscribe as uh, to our email newsletter by simply visiting toddhuffshow.com slash subscribe that's completely free um, and if you become a newsletter subscriber I will send you a link to um, get one month free of overtime which gets you exclusive digital access to hour number hour number two um 
outside of well, Facebook. I don't know what the long-term plan is for that. We're doing that uh, as we navigate this coronavirus shutdown. So anyway, join us in hour two, guys. Thanks for listening. SDGC in a few.